This is making me part of it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Together with Altis Labs, we will talk about productization today. The importance of going from lab to market and the whole journey it entails. We will have three special guests today who will bring us their product testimonials and find out more about their main difficulties and how they encounter them and how they were able to surpass them. This is not, this is not an impossible mission. And you can also be the winner of the, the next edition of the Altis International Awards. So welcome everyone. My name is Andre Marquet and I'm the co-founder of Productize. And together with Altis Labs, I will be hosting the event for today. So let me tell you a little bit about Productized. Productized is an innovation consulting company, and we offer workshops, courses, and coaching in order to improve the relationship between people and their organizations to build better digital products. We work with product people of all kinds in their journey for professional developments, and we have been lucky to work with some of the best companies in Europe and in the world. We have been organizing in-person events and since 2019, we have moved online. We were so lucky because this year already, we have had events with people from eight industries, such as software, technology, educational services, healthcare, and much more. This year alone, we had wide range of sectors from FinTech to mobility and over 20 countries, uh, including the USA, Spain, Australia, India, Israel, Netherlands, of course, here from Portugal. Now, back to Mission Impossible, from the lab to the market. And let me start by introducing you to our amazing panel for today. Our first guest is Joanne Paiva. She's the CTO and co-founder of ILOF, an Oxford-based startup with a with Portuguese DNA. So lots of Portuguese DNA for Oxford-based startup. Joana has been working to enable a new era of personalized medicine by using AI and photonics to build a cloud-based library of diseases, biomarkers, and biological profiles. She's also the inventor of five patents and an accomplished scientist. In 2019, she won the Startup Award of the Altis International Innovation Awards. Our second guest, is Inês Ritlima. She is a biomedical engineer, has been specializing in applied data science, machine learning, and explainable artificial intelligence. She's also been working on autonomous vehicles for their safety procedures, and she's currently enrolled in a PhD program in computer science. 
She's the winner of the Academy Award of 2019 of the Altis International Innovation Award for her work teaching autonomous cars how to drive like a professional racer. And last but not the least, for sure, my, my colleague and friend um, here from Enter and uh, our guest panel as well, Tiago Reich, is the founder and CEO of Matter Dynamics. Tiago holds a PhD by Nova University of Lisbon and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Bioengineering Systems. Tiago's expertise relies mostly on microelectronics and data science with a specialization in natural user interfaces. And Tiago is the winner of the very, very, very first startup award of 2017 of the Altis International Innovation Award. So about IAP, and before we begin, I would like to introduce you to the Altis Innovation International Award. Altis International, International Innovation Awards were created to promote entrepreneurship and technological talent destined for startups owners and PhD students. So with no further ado, and for a much better explanation, we have invited Nuno Seixas, the head of quality and operational excellence at Altis Labs, to give us a word about this sixth edition of the Altis Innovation uh, Awards. So well, welcome, Nuno. So hello, everyone. And um, thank you very much for, for this, uh, for this uh, session. And uh, also um, welcome everyone to this uh, to the explanation of the, the Altis Innovation Award for the 2021 edition. And um, so without uh, any further ado, Let's go into the, the award itself. So why, why do we have this award? Why do we, uh, as a company, uh, um, define this award? And um, mainly is to recognize entrepreneurship. It's mainly also to recognize all the technological skills, uh, the, motive, the innovation, and all the... the, the the, the spirit for doing more and for doing differently across both academia and industry. So this award is all about recognition, but we all know that recognition needs to be uh, based on sound uh, principles. Therefore, this award has a set of uh, well-known um, uh, rules and uh, in order to be clear for everyone, how this can be, um, how can apply and what could be the outcome of this award. So this award is um, directed at two major uh, public or two major um, uh, focus. First on the startups. So we are uh, focusing on companies with a, a life range up to three years. And for this purpose, for the startup world, the, the price is um, a 50,000 euro, uh, euro um, uh, amount, and also the possibility of defining and working with us, building a proof of concept so that you can uh, show the real effect and the real value for the, the, the idea that you are proposing. For the, the academia uh, purpose and for the academia, uh, fo uh, focus, we are, um, we have the students uh, for master or PhD with mainly with his thesis uh, for um, a price of 20,000 um, euro. So also it's important to understand that this, this price, this award, it's not just 
based on technological principles and it's not for just focused on on being able to recognize the technological skills but also um, in order to be able to to integrate other um, other other worries other needs so because of this this year we have an agreement with uh, Altis Fundação the 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 part, the branch from Altis, which worries and works on the social responsibility and working the inclusion programs. So for that, we also have a special prize money for, uh, for projects that can incorporate the development of new solutions. And these new solutions can be mobile applications, can be online platforms, but these special solutions need to address a specific inclusion uh, uh, needs or inclusion problems. So the idea is that you can develop ideas that, that, that will include a different community of people, both with uh, uh, disabilities or with any other needs by using telecommunications technologies. So the bottom line of this special prize is for for new ideas that can demonstrate how we can use technology, how we can use communication technologies for making sure that we have a more inclusive, a more inclusive world and a more uh, a more healthy uh, world uh, for for everyone. Um, and what kind of technologies are we looking for? Mainly, we can say that we are looking for every technology, okay? So technology should not be uh, a restriction. So if you are somehow thinking in applying to this, uh, to this price and you are having some doubts if the technology can be applied to this price, don't have those doubts, okay? Because the idea is that we have a very broad set of technologies. These are just examples, so we can of course, we are looking for projects that uh, uh, can apply artificial intelligence uh, methods. Of course, we are looking for digital services, digital, digital solutions, extended reality. And of course, we are looking for uh, some data uh, inclusive or inclusive uh, applications. Also, we are especially keen on solutions that can involve the, the, a lot of different perspectives on the, on, the, on the society, like for example, working with smart cities, working with smart living, uh, real-time monitoring, um, so uh, continuous care for elderly uh, and so on. In a more specific, um, in a more specific technology and related with uh, the telecom and the telecom world, we are also looking for over-the-top applications, uh, new solutions for network management, new solutions for making sure that we deliver the right and the adequate service to our clients. And also, of course, because it's, it's a very important topic that currently is growing a lot of concern all about security across the, all these domains. So security applied to digital services, security applied to smart living solutions, 
security applied for all the different technologies okay so these are some of the some of the examples of uh, the technologies that we are looking for but again don't take it as a restraint take it more as examples and feel free to uh, to propose new ideas with uh, other technologies so the um the 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 evaluation criteria as i mentioned before it's important for us that this prize has a very clear evaluation uh, model. So the evaluation criteria are, uh, are open. And for the startup category, uh, we are uh, distributing the evaluation across these three major uh, parameters. First, creativity and innovation, 50% for that. Business model and growth, uh, growth potential with 30% and the impact on society on 20%. While for the academy, we, uh, we have increased a little bit on the creativity and, uh, and innovation. Now it, it's worth 60%. The business model has decreased a little bit, 15%, and the impact on society is uh, also 25%. So the idea is that these three criteria are, uh, are evaluated differently for the two different uh, categories. The main dates, and these are available in the website. Uh, it was the prize, it was announced on June 9th. Now up until September 23rd, we are accepting the, the, uh, the different applications. And um, you can just uh, uh, go to our website and you can drop your application up until the September 23rd. And from the September 24th until October 29, we are evaluating the, the different applications. And uh, on November 2nd, we'll be announcing the shortlist closing. And uh, also on the November 25th, we are going to have the final pitch and the, ceremony, the winner's ceremony. One important part is why should I care about this, this, uh, this prize, okay? So as a startup uh, member or as a, an academia member, why should I care about this, uh, um, this prize? First of all, because we are working with the cutting edge uh, communication technology. So at Altis Labs as, and at the Altis Group as a whole, we are looking for these, these uh, ideas and solutions that work across this idea, these technologies. 5G, 5G is the current hot uh, new new items for new item for the uh, um, for the, uh, the the technology, the network communication. So we need to to think about how these new uh, new networks can effectively deliver services and how 5G, for example, can be used to, uh, to, to, in, to implement different services and an added value to our, uh, our clients. Also the software defined define networks, it's something that it's growing also, and mostly because of the 5G. Also with the 5G, we increase the number of uh, connected uh, items, connected devices, with that increases the complexity on the operations, and therefore we uh, we must uh, deal with the the definition of network in um, in a more flexible way, and that uh, brings this need for software defined networks. 
And finally, AI ops also are related with 5G and the growth of uh, the number of connected devices. Now, the, the way we operate a network uh, infrastructure is completely different. And the, the, by introducing, for example, um, artificial intelligence models, we can make it simpler and we can make it a lot uh, and we can deliver a better service to our clients. Lastly, from a business perspective, also by engaging in this price, you will get visibility as part of Altis Group you will get access to all the different operators across uh, across the globe that are part of the LTS group. You will get access to those markets. So you are go going to be exposed to different markets with the possibility of uh, interacting with these operators part of Altis Group, both on a business to business and a business to consumer perspective. So it doesn't really matter if your business model is more focused on a business to consumer or business to business, you can uh, get some real added value from that, okay? So these are the, the, the main ideas for the, this, uh, this award. How to apply? It's really simple. You just go to our website, altislabs.com, and you'll get a, a, a form for you to, to make your, your, uh, your application. Okay, so thank you very much. And if you, uh, and feel free to, to create your application. Thanks, Nuno. Thank you so much. So without further ado, Let's start our discussion panel, Mission Not Impossible, from the lab to the market. So I will ask our guests to, to join us at the stage. Thank you. So basically, I love stands for Intelligent Love on Fiber. So basically, what we are trying to do is to build a product that basically joins photonics, that is the usage of the light uh, in technology, uh, and in this case for healthcare and artificial intelligence, in order to build a product uh, for facilitating the uh, pre-screening of patients for several diseases, and also for accelerating the development of, of new treatments, also for different diseases, but most, fo most fo uh, focus on uh, chronic diseases. So how this technology works? So basically, uh, we, uh, we obtain an optical fingerprint uh, that is, uh, so um, a laser light is guided through an optical fiber. So the optical fibers that we use in our uh, homes uh, in order to connect to the, for the internet access, uh, but uh, having access to the properties of the interaction of the light with the uh, small molecules that uh, we found in the um, blood samples that we collect from patients, uh, we can uh, have an optical uh, fingerprint that represents the health state of the patient and at that moment. And we are, what we are trying to do is create that patterns that we can correlate uh, with specific disease outcomes and clinical out and outcomes as for example in specific for alzheimer's disease so we are trained uh, we are creating a digital uh, cloud-based fingerprints of uh, several diseases and for creating that um, so having the example of the alzheimer's disease we receive 
a lot of samples from different different sources um, from patients that were diagnosed with gold standard methods in the case of the Alzheimer with the gold standard methods that are the lumbar puncture or uh, the PET scan and we train the optical fingerprint so an algorithm that is able to learn the optical fingerprint of that uh, patient and then uh, we also train the, the AI model to be able to differentiate that pattern from a control subjects then uh, this model uh, will be able to, in a real environment, in a clinical setting, to, to differentiate uh, using a blood sample, very quick, very rapid, the profile of the patient. And you have over 10 years of r Exactly, exactly. So my question is, what made you start so basically, um, I've been working in this field of uh, trying to interpret noisy signals uh, and signals collected from, from uh, the body um, using artificial intelligence for, as you said, for 10 years ago. But uh, using light and uh, photo photonics and artificial intelligence was uh, an innovative approach. Um, and we started to have the I started to have um, the, f the first results during my PhD um, uh, in a first uh, validation proof case uh, in the cancer uh, stage where I was able to predict, for example, uh, the probability of metastasization of a cancer using the optical fingerprint. But uh, then uh, I was uh, not convinced to have this on a shelf and I was very interested to put this uh, in the market side. So uh, this is why I um, began an acceleration program together with my three other co-founders and we decided to apply for an, the IT health acceleration program where we uh, received, uh, we were fortunate to receive a two million uh, investment uh, first pre-seed round. All right. Did you have like any yeah, I have to do questions. <laughs> <laughs> like um, yeah, my, my question is actually regarding um, if anyone inspired you, like a professor or maybe a colleague, to actually kickstart the company, right? Because I guess after 10 years, mm -hmm. you might have had this for a while, but you know, one day you wake up, it's like, this is the day. We really have to do it. So I just want to hear about that story. Yes, yes of course. I think that what uh, inspired me was the, the several technologies that I invented till the date because I was, for example, I was involved uh, in, um, I created a technology based on the morphology of the ECG, lateral cardiogram, uh, in order to identify who is the person as a, like a fingerprint and so on. But uh, uh, so having these, uh, all these uh, transfer uh, so the transformation of technology in the science side to the market, it is very difficult when you are in the academia. So when I look for the Isle of Technology, I decided, so, this is, so that is the moment where I have to try to rush up this from the, um, the science part to the market, because uh, it would, could end up in a shelf and it must be have a, a significant impact in the society, given the difficulty to recruit patients for a clinical trial. And why do you think that happens? Why do you think it's so difficult to actually go from academia and university and scale this to, to business? Is it because, you know, scientists don't have enough incentives? What's, what's the reason in your opinion? 
so I, I believe that, uh, uh, first of all, it's the mindset. Uh, it's it's quite difficult to think about uh, forcing a, a technology that goes from the science part to the market because when you grow or when you grow professionally as a scientist, it's uh, it's difficult to think about. Okay, so this is very interesting from the science point of view, but I have to think about the impact. So I have to make the math in order to have to see if it has a real impact in terms of economical value for the society. So this mindset, I think that has to be changed um, in the academia, because of course science has to, have to evolve, but has to evolve also with the impact in the economic uh, value in order to bring some kind of evolution for the society as well. Um. Tiago, I, I think you have kind of a very interesting story as well. So I'm actually going to do the same question, uh, which I just did here to uh, Joanna. But tell us a little bit about matter dynamics for people that don't uh, follow the company. Okay, so um, I am Tiago. I'm the CEO of Matter Dynamics, and Matter Dynamics does something that is very simple to do, which is converting non-electronic objects into smart units. By non-electronic, I mean things such as chairs pallets, boxes, you name it. And by smart, we mean that with our technology that we put on those objects, we can actually retrieve data from the environment. And that data can be processed on the, on the object itself. And of course, with that data, you, you can support like business operations, create new UX models for the consumers. And the vision is very simple because any product that you think of, uh, fruit uh, in agriculture field, um, maybe a pharmaceutical, the only thing that has in common across the all supply chain is the package. So we try to use the packaging and these non-electronic objects that appears in supply chain as an active asset that can replace operations, that can give you data to optimize your warehouse. And the, the concept here is that if you have data, if you can monitor, of course, you can do better decisions. And if you can do it in real time, even better. All right. I know this is a little bit old school. Um, Sounds like radio in the, in the good old days. But what, what is, I know you have very strong opinions on why is it difficult to scale and, and go from academia to, to business. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, those opinions? Uh, being very honest, I think the major problem today is the mindset. So we are training people, PhD students that should start a PhD around 22, 23, will end maybe at 26 and they are being trained just to publish papers, okay? A paper is a, a piece of work that you have. It has eight, 10 pages, and the, your objective is to produce as many reports as you can on that paper. But one thing is, is actually having a paper. The other thing is creating value for society. So one of the best journals that you can get papers from, it's Nature, a very high impact factor, which means a very good journal, but Myself as a consumer or a member of society, I can download that paper for around 30 euros only, just one PDF file. A PhD student costs to the government around 1,000 euros per month. So we are actually incentivizing people to do PhDs only to produce data that only produces 30 years of value to the magazines, to the journals, but we are not putting back the value to the companies and the, the, in, the, in your economic um, uh, sector, for example. So one, one thing that puzzles me a lot is computer science, because 
you see these amazing papers, these mathematical models, very, very good, very, very detailed, but there is no, there is no library to them. So myself, as an entrepreneur, I need to understand their data. I need to convert to the library. And of course, at the end, I will sell it. So I am making money from their knowledge and the things should be around. They should produce value to bring money for the science and keep continuing investing on science and technology. All right. So, yeah, I told you guys he had opinions on this, but uh, um, yeah, so regarding what you just said, so, uh, so you see the business model of how academia is set up nowadays and we're kind of detouring a little bit from what we talked before, but um, it's not working because, you know, they, they're producing the science and someone is going there and actually making money out of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, totally. And the danger is people like myself. So people that has a very strong technical background that did a PhD in the very high levels of universities can actually retrieve the knowledge from Nova University, Technico, um, Universidad Ming and so on, and actually build something because they have the vision for it. But the thing is that if the professors have, have also the vision for that, they could also bring value to the societies. And I do believe that one of the problems that we need to face um, as a country and also as a sector of knowledge, such as AI, computer science, is to convert things that are addressable and tangible for evaluations. Why? Because a PhD student will be evaluated by the papers that they have. Of course, you want to pursue to be um, a lecturer, being a professor, and uh, what the government will see or the other institutions is how many papers did you produce and not, or not the, the value that you bring. So I always ask to professors, and I am myself a professor that push this in a very different way, of course, but what is more important, having a paper on nature or having like a GitHub library that has been downloaded 100,000 times? And with those 100,000 times, they produce companies out of it. And of course, they are trying to solve solutions with the library that was freely available, but of course, having a huge impact. So what is more relevant, papers or value? All right, all right. So it's very interesting approach here. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm feeling that, Inesh, Inesh, you don't have a company yet, at least not yours. Yeah, I think that's the key word. So you won the best thesis um, award for teaching cars to drive. And I'm putting this like I could explain it to my six-year-old kid, okay? To drive in extreme conditions to increase safety for passengers. So the question everyone is making you is how far are we uh, from having autonomous cars? And the second question is, are you afraid of, you know, Tiago going to your data sets and stealing them? <laughs> Is it working? Okay, that's very interesting because we are already there. Uh, make no mistake, okay? Uh, no, they are not on GitHub. But uh, whenever, for instance, you press your cruise control button or you you have a car with the system to overtake or park by their uh, by, by its own, um, you're driving an autonomous car, an entry level of autonomy, but still. Uh, I guess most people don't know there are several layers of uh, autonomous, but if your question is regarding the highest level of autonomy, well, that will be tricky, uh, not only because of technological challenges, but, but also ethical. Let's not get into that. Um, I think that maybe what you also want to know is a bit, how, how do I get involved in this? In this? What's my role? Um, and for that, I would like to briefly contextualize what's the project, the Altis uh, project, uh, my neural motor behavior in extreme driving project. 
which is basically, I need to point out that this is uh, academic research and uh, I can only talk about the innovative, innovative aspects for the scientific community, so it's not a startup yet. Um, but the main goal of this project was basically try to study and understand the, the complex relation between uh, brain signals and the body response while driving in challenging conditions. Um, these are innovative, innovative aspects on their own because um, most studies on driving usually focus on fatigue and drowsiness and are uh, conducting simulators. So the fact that I've done my experiment in a natural environment, I, I, we got to Silverstone on the top here, I don't know if anyone sees the show, um, and we're capturing uh, the EEG brain, the eye tracking, the body response of a professional driver um, in very challenging events. For instance, uh, when you lose control or your car starts drifting or you have a very tight curve. So all these are very uh, innovative aspects. It's a bit uh, outside of the box for the scientific community. Uh, the fact that the pilot, uh, the subject of the experiment was also a professional driver. The, at the time it was the formerly world champion, uh, Lucas Di Grassi also enabled me to unveil um, new insights into the encoded level of expertise of the driver, which means that ultimately we have optimized response when handling these challenging events. Okay, so apart from all these innovative aspects related to the project itself, I think that's something that is very interesting, innovative, uh, something that probably Altis also took, also took into consideration in regards to your question, is the perspective, the potential impact on society. Because imagine that now you can embed in an autonomous vehicle um, this, the expertise to handle challenging events. Because like, currently, there we have some somewhat kind of uh, autonomous cars, and they can recognize the street signs, the lines. They know maneuvers as overtake and park, sure. Um, but they are trained to handle these let's call it mainstream tasks. Uh, if something unforeseen happens, for instance, you get some water under the tires and you start drifting, the car won't be able to react properly because he has never seen that, he doesn't know how to react. So the idea here, and that's what I hope to be my contribution for autonomous vehicles, higher levels of autonomous vehicles, is basically to try to embed in the autonomous cars algorithms and safety procedures, the capability of optimally responding to these challenging events. I think that will tremendously, tremendously basically increase the safety and reliability of this, the cars and will also help with the ethical issues, in my opinion. Yeah, so, uh, so the, the, the question also uh, relates to monetization, right? Because you developed all those data sets and you you arguably improved um, how autonomous cars drive in extreme conditions, but aren't you afraid that you know Tesla is just going to read your papers and say, "Oh, this is cool. Okay, let's just copy and you know incorporate this in our cars," and you know at the end of the day, you get maybe zero out of that, you know, financially, of course. So, or or, or maybe not even financial, not even recognition, or or anything like that. So I think that's that's what uh, Tiago was 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 um, was telling, right? Is that um, the monetization cycle is kind of uh, broken? Um, so I'd like to hear um, you. You wouldn't be pissed off. Well, and I also forgot the question about Tiago stealing my data sets. Um, anyway, 
I, I'm not particularly concerned about Tesla or so, because uh, to be honest, they are contributing as well. They are doing their part. They have, I don't know how many thousands of miles they may have recorded of mainstream data, meaning that they do not, sorry, uh, actually have the type of information, the type of data set that I intend to create. Uh, and let's be very practical. There's a lot of value and the, the data sets are worth a lot currently. Uh, so I think that, okay, above all, I have a very cool idea of what could be very interesting and contribute to autonomous cars. Uh, and by the time I say to Tesla, I'll ha already have them. So I could already be doing something meaningful with them. Um, and I wouldn't mind a partnership. <laughs> um, regarding uh, Tiago Sulema datasets, I also agree that having a, a lot of um, information on, on GitHub or so, it's uh, very interesting and important. At some point, if you want to discuss science, I'm always open to that. Um, but I think that if I create a data set and if I make it public, which is not that common at this point because, again, they are worth money, uh, I think that I'll be doing my part and eventually other people can try to engage and do their research on those data sets and eventually I'll do the first step. I'll collect data, I'll propose a pipeline and eventually like the scientific community will engage and that will push the, the whatever algorithm, whatever system gets out of this further. Um, yes, yes, big money involved. And I also published on Nature, and I think that I contributed for the scientific society. Okay. All right. Um, so regarding contribution for society, you have to be, you know, in a way, at least in Portugal, um, you know, let's be honest, by all standards, you are an excellent student, Inish. And when we were talking just before this, you told me that mathematics should not be the bogeyman. But for that, you know, kids cannot be miss the votes. Um, however, we live in a country where we have the highest dropout rate of upper secondary uh, in Europe. And only 50% of students stop, uh, actually keep on learning STEAM at age 14. So that means that 50% students actually go on learning other topics and they stop learning math and, and science. And this is according to the Ministry of Education website that we checked today. So, if you were Minister of Education, what would you do to change things? If you want, if you actually think that we should change it. That's a very tricky question, okay? Um, honestly, you mentioned mathematics and that, it just annoys me because I think there's, it's such a boogeyman, but it's like society's fault, to be honest. Um, for me personally, because I have a very mathematical and logical brain, mathematics was never a problem. Uh, what I think that makes it a problem for most people is everyone has like a friend or a cousin or a family member or something that says, oh, how are you doing? Oh, mathematics is awful. So you get to the mindset as a young kid that mathematics will be awful. And as you grow, okay, I don't get this. And it's like a snowball effect. So if you lose the beginning, you're lost. There, there's no chance because things evolve. Um, so if I was the, the Minister of Education, was that the option? Um, I, would, the <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely make sure that the early age students, like first, first to fourth class or something, would have a very strong basic, uh, basis of mathematics. 
I think that that's the approach. I like to hear the others and to ask. You want to be first? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I think that it's a tough question. <laughs> Don't apply to uh, yeah, I think I, I, I agree with Ines. I think that, uh, yeah, so um, currently uh, I, I'm also teaching um, in university first year students and okay. it's, it's quite difficult uh, because uh, so veter veterinary medicine and also bioengineering and uh, I think that uh, uh, so the question about involving mathematics in every point of uh, exercise related with even physics, it's so difficult. So even so the drama about, okay, so this involves mathematics. So this is about involve lo uh, logistics. So logic and trying to pinpoint and convolute and uh, think about the some kind of network and attributes that so they block at the first moment and they they are not capable of uh doing any exercise so i think that i would uh, i completely agree with Ines. <laughs> yeah okay and in uh, tiago i know that you also give uh computer science topic classes at the university so extending this not just to mathematics right because here at least in portugal we don't have computer science topics at, until we get to university but they should, right? So yeah, my you are the Ministry of Education. You okay. Can do whatever you want. So the first thing, first I think I don't steal people. I inspire in their, in their ideas and I improve. And every single paper that you find from a scientific background, they are comparing themselves with some somebody else. So we are trying to push forward. And if I can do as a company, better. Um, the the second thing is that um, if you are a minister, the problem is that people only think on a, on a tangible world. So when you start teaching mathematics to kids, you say, this is an apple, this is two apples, how many apples do you have? And of course you can do that. And you need to do that when you are five years old, six years old, seven years old. But the problem is that, and you see the data, that when you start to having like letters instead of numbers, equations instead of, of phrases, that is the, tr the, 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 buggy, the bug that you need to solve in our education system. This is one thing. The other thing is that people are pushed once again towards to have good results on exams or on tests. So what a kid do? I will try to solve as many possibles as possible to try to have a, a better confidence level when I'm doing the evaluation moment. And hopefully the professor will put some exercises very similar to the ones that I got to do at home. But the problem is that you are not actually learning. What you are trying to do is to increase your memory to learn how many types of problems that you can solve. One great problem that you can, you see this in the first year of, of university as well. So people try to decorate, try to memorize equations. It isn't, this doesn't make any sense. Einstein only knew two equations by, by memory. So they need to understand. So when you have things such as an education that is based on, on real, objects, you, you are not pursuing a life of knowledge that is more abstract. And mathematic, mathematics at a point is just an abstract concept and you need to understand that. Because if I say a chair, you know what is a chair. But if I say, let's deal with objects, you start, well, what object? Object is a class. So you need to 
put that on the on the, uh, the kids somehow. Regarding computer science, I'm very pleased with Portuguese education right now. So we have like these kids, and I say kids because they are maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, and they have coding capabilities that are amazing. And you say, so they are so bad at mathematics, how they become good developers? Because they have YouTube, because they have GitLab, because they are learning from others. So one of... You are the Ministry of Education. No, no. <laughs> that, so, I, I, all, all single students I have in data science, I tell them there is a podcast that you should listen every single day if you want to get improved, which is Machine Learning Street Talk. This is very expertise, guys, talking about the new advance on technology, and they are putting in the very narrow base that you can uh, touch on. So, the thing is that but somehow, the educators, the government, the minister, they messed up during the last 40 years of education, of course, but we have YouTube, you have Google. So we are starting seeing like Google having courses to people where they can learn from home with exercises, with exam, and the people that are teaching them, they are talking about in an abstract manner. And this is the future. We'll have competition between traditional learning and new learning, and of course, new learning will it will be better in the, in the very end. Can I compliment? Of course, of course, of course, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, don't forget what you're going to say, but let me just uh, take the segue here to a topic which is also impactful in terms of society um, in Ish, which is, uh, again, according to a recent statistic from the Portuguese Women in Tech, only 15%, one, one five, right? of overall engineering students are women mm -hmm. in Portugal. That, that's the latest data available. And even less than that corresponding to IT computer science professionals. So why do you think this is still the case? And should engineering universities be doing more to attract more women? What, what's the problem here? Amazing. It also correlates to what, what I was about to say. I'll start with that. Uh, prior to what I said, um, I like to add that, in fact, I think that we have to have space for diversity and we need a, a community with a, a different set of skills. So we don't all need to be uh, engineers and know a lot about math and everything. I think the problem with uh, not having a strong math system in the beginning is that we are constraining and limiting the options as students grow older because at some point they won't be they won't want to choose engineering and think why would i put myself through more five more years of this painful math or something um but also related to what we were saying i actually saw that currently there are a couple of, of apps um to try to visualize math in a new way and interesting i have a sister a younger sister which also have like this app to start coding this with like less than 10 years old uh and she would like if okay then else for already introducing the, this type of concepts in 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 a kind of interactive app it was kind of cool about uh, women in tech again i think that we have to consider that eventually not everyone wants to be an engineer or work in tech it might be a matter of i don't yeah it's a lot but i i have never seen a study about this but i could believe that not all women or a strong part of women a large amount of women doesn't want uh, their personal preference is not to be an engineer it would be to go to arts or literature or med school is it's a big thing 
but I'm not saying there are, that there are not some constraints. I think there are. I think that uh, apart from um, fear of going to, to engineering and maths and whatever, and being in a world full of men, or uh, even probably family or friends, peer pressure, don't go to engineering, it's going to be awful, you're not going to get it, you're not going to make it, uh, there's not room for you or something. I think these are probably constraints and limitations, although I think that we are trying to overcome them. There are a lot of initiatives and projects, and even the European Commission is quite aware of, of these women in technologies. It's a big issue currently. I remember being in college and going to, to schools in a part of, I don't know, framing some kind of project, explaining to girls uh, what uh, we do in engineering and a couple projects and how it's, above all, doable. I think they were scared of, can I do it? Can I, can I make it? Uh, above all, explaining it is doable to do in, in women in tech and going to engineering. And I've heard that you are moving to Lisbon to start your PhD, correct? Um, so what's next for you um, in terms of, you know, moving to Lisbon to start your PhD? But I guess you could have chosen any PhD program in the world by, at this point. So... Uh, are we doing good science, world-class, that you think this is the place to be right now, here in Portugal? Yes, I, I think that in Portugal we have very strong basis uh, of, to do research. I'm, I'm moving to Lisbon, I'm going to IST, um, Technical, uh, which I also believe it has a very strong department in terms of, uh, I'm going to a department which is very strong in terms of robotics and the cognition and brain which is completely related to to what i intend to do uh, so we work in portugal national wise we are very yeah, strong in a <laughs> sorry um i lost what i was saying sorry, sorry. yeah robotics cognition brain and cognition uh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, uh, I, I'm very keen on strategy, so it's also very um, important for me to try to link all the pieces of, uh, let's put it like this chess um, board. Uh, so this enables me to work as an innovation manager, enables me to strengthen my, my technological background uh, so that I can be evolving in all fronts in terms of uh, personal level, academic level, career level. Okay, and it's good that you don't have to actually leave the country to pursue your um, academic studies. Mm -hmm. So, um, Tiago, um, Matter Dynamics, are you bullish for 2022? And, um, you know, I know that you guys have also been impacted like everyone else uh, by the economic cycle. You had an established company for a few years. Um, so are you bullish about next year and specifically about 5G, which is expected to roll out this, uh, this year or later this year, uh, at least here in Portugal? Are, is this going to impact your business? Any plans? Okay, uh, so in first hand, we will start, uh, we will have a spin-off in Brazil, 
Uh, actually, we start during the beginning of this year having like a, a commercial agreement with a company over there. And we figure out due to the metrics that we are achieving that uh, we should start a spin-off of motor dynamics in, in Brazil. This is, will be by the end of the year. Um, regarding 5G, I'm eagering for 5G. I can do a lot of things, but I don't have the infrastructure for that. And I say when I can do a lot of things is that there are a lot of problems that Matter Dynamics cannot solve yet because we don't have the infrastructure for it. So I do not understand what is happening with 5G, but I can tell that people need to be better in solving these kind of issues. I don't know if, if the problem is from the telecoms, of the government, but there are companies that are starting to feel the pain of it. Why? Because we are in a global world. The pandemic brings us like the very close idea that I'm competing with companies in Spain and companies in Spain are no longer in just this region on, on space, which is Spain. They are also in Portugal. And when you are working with IT and um, when you are working with cloud, cloud computing and so on, you need to have infrastructure to at least give a fighting chance to, to the Portuguese companies. Uh, I don't believe anymore that we are targeting just for um, a company in Portugal should not target just for Portuguese market, especially in the IT sector. They need to put their technology in different aspects of the world. But having 5G in Portugal will help us a lot to start to deploy some libraries, algorithms, and so on that we really need to do it because we need to start as soon as possible because there are other countries that are doing already. So uh, the fact that we don't have 5G in Portugal is actually hampering innovation. Um, Joana, you actually have a medical device, correct? And in terms of productization, um, I've, I've been told, at least uh, from what I understand, that you try to make as most of the product, most of the actual productization and uh, assembly of the product here, including the, the lenses that are used to do the, the photometrics. Um, why, why, I mean, have you found that we have an industrial uh, establishment that is uh, state of the art enough to, to develop and productize your, your product here? Um, it's a very interesting question, Andre. So basically, just to have a, to explain and have give a framework <laughs> because it's it could be a little bit complex. So what? Uh, so our advantage is basically uh, how to manipulate the light in order to have the uh, enough information to have um, um, uh, the information enough to have uh, the optical fingerprint of the patient uh, for have the pre-screening for differentiation the several cases of the, the diseases. There's so exactly, there it's optic, optics involved, uh, signal processing and also artificial intelligence. So all these uh, optics and how to design the optical geometry of the lenses at the tip of the fiber. Uh, so these resulted from a background uh, knowledge that resulted from 10 years of research. And uh, so we are now, uh, and also con that uh, contributed from uh, uh, research that was uh, made uh, uh, in the company itself. And now we have a know-how um, in order to uh, develop these lenses, design these lenses uh, in order and to involve uh, exactly. So we made these lenses in our own laboratories, but we are what we are trying to do also is trying to look for partners in order to have uh, the, and to guarantee the enough quality 
to in order to execute our designs but what we are good uh, to do is to design these lenses and also to apply the artificial and deep the machine learning and deep learning models uh, and the signal processing pipelines to uh, to extract the meaningful information for the physicians to take the clinical decisions. Uh, so basically, we are in a process of certifying this as a medical device. Um, but uh, we, since we are working also with pharma companies and the pharma companies want to, wants to work with us in order to facilitate the clinical trial environment, in this case, so the, uh, the certification part, it's not needed. So basically, we are working both in the both sides, in the pre-screening part with hospitals and also with clinical uh, uh, partners and also with the pharma industries and biotechnologies that do, are not not so um, hard in this part of the certification part. And tell me a little bit about your dream vision for this, because as I see it, right, it's like in the future, I don't even have to go to the doctor. I have a machine like this in my, I don't know, in my toilet. I, I just put a sample of my saliva, whatever it is, and tells me, yeah, you're good. You can go to work today or <laughs> yeah, maybe you should stay home. I don't know. What's your what's your bullish vision for your company? <laughs> Um, of course, that uh, um, any technology will not replace uh, physicians. So, oh. <laughs> so what we want to do is to help physicians to uh, supply a tool that is rapid, fasted, fast, uh, that can be scalable, low cost, and could facilitate the pre-screening of patients. Affected society for <laughs> enough for today. Um, yeah, it was really great to have you. You're such a you know wonderful, um, smart people. It really feels great um, to have these conversations because it's not just inspiring. I think it's really um, you know boundless, right? That's how I feel having this conversation. Felt so energized. Felt so. Uh, boundless because when you have people like you who felt there's no limit there's really no limit um so guys thank you so much congratulations again for winning the, the prizes which you did and we really hope that some people that are going to listen to this are going to um take stock from this message and um apply for this year's edition because it's really a wonderful opportunity thank you thank you creating already a very strong movement. Innovation is a key word nowadays. Very important. Promising. I was very impressed. It will be very difficult to, to find uh, the winner. I'm very glad that all this is making me part of it. <laughs> <laughs>